There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, Happy New Year. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. It is the final one, the final countdown. Jack Hartle's in the studio, producer of the show. And we got ourselves a very, very good lineup for you. Yet again, Kevin Muir, the macro tourist, is going to talk macro, Bitcoin, currency, interest rates. He's going to get sophisticated. I'm going to have to help dumb him down. I'm very good at that. Uh, we are then going to talk about mortgage rates. Uh, rates are going to change. The rules are going to change uh, come Jan 1. Uh, Drew Donaldson, Managing Partner, Chief Sales Officer with SafeBridge Financial, is going to give us an update on how much you can borrow. And according to Jack, tis the season. Well, the new year is the season of divorce, apparently. So we got ourselves a family lawyer, Michael Cochran from BTZ LLP. We're going to talk about the phenomena of divorce in the new year. But anyways, uh, let's get over to Kevin Muir, macro tourist. Uh, Kevin, happy new year to you, my friend. To you as well. Great to be with you guys. Well, we've had you on the show probably about five, six times this year, and it's been an absolute treat for the audience, I think, to have a a, a fresh, unique um, perspective on multiple markets. Uh, you know, you trade futures. Uh, you're, you're, you're versed in Bitcoin. I know I think you're somewhat perplexed and frustrated by the uh, <laughs> the mania that's taking place. Jack and I, I think are sitting in the same camp with you. Um, but uh, let's just do a quick year-end wrap to begin with. 2017 was a good year for marijuana stocks. It certainly was a good year for cryptocurrencies, yet they don't trade on stock exchanges or bond exchanges that Jack and I participate in, nor, nor the changes, exchanges you participate in, up until about a few weeks ago when they became uh, eligible on the futures exchanges. Um, but from your perspective, uh, the year that was, how would you sum it up? Well, it was interesting because volatility was so low. I think that the S&P went 12 months having a rise in each and every month, something that basically has never happened in the history of the stock markets. So it's been astounding. We've gone this, it's almost turned into a T-bill and it's been, uh, it's been great for people that have been long, but for, for professional investors have been somewhat frustrated by the lack of volatility. Huh. So volatility is what a guy like you're looking for. When you don't get it, you get frustrated. You know, because it's funny because you're, you're friends with a friend of mine, Jay Mecklinger, and Jay loves vol, and he hates low vol environments. Whereas Jack and I, we like this environment. This works for us. Right down the garden path, the, 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 the flowers are blooming. You're, you're absolutely it, correct. It's all good. Invest but, but for pro, as like, long you, as you're long. As, as long are, as you're long. Uh, but yeah. for investors, it's great. You just sit there and you collect uh, the investors, rises right. all you know monthly goes by, and every month you kind of see your account and it's gone up a little bit. But prefer, professional investors, kind of, they really want the things hopping around. They want opportunities. And to some extent, this is what's happened with Bitcoin and why a lot of people have gravitated to it because the regular markets have not offered those sorts of opportunities. <laughs> no, no, the, uh, the what the twenty percent rise in the S and P or the ten percent rise in the TSX, not enough, is it? No, no, we we want to make 100 or 200% a day that's uh, correct in the market and you know it truly is a sign of speculation and you know the the barometer the the meter is going to the extreme right uh the the speculation meter shall we say uh the question is how far right is it going to go and uh jack uh, each and every year asks for a pendulum to put in our office uh unfortunately we can't seem to find a pendulum <laughs> that seems to fit our, our small little work environment but truly a pendulum as, as a prop just to remind ourselves that things go to both extreme cheap and extreme expensive and 
and to the point of absurd. Well, and, it, uh, and, I, I think crypto's gone to the point of absurd. Crypto, and, crypto and weed too, but they can go a lot further than you could ever imagine at the same time. You it, think weed as well, eh, Jack? Well, there's a lot of a lot of um, I don't know pent up demand or a lot of uh, hot uh, money in it. Yeah, I don't really? know hot money. It's retail with a lot of high expectations. See, but he, see, here's the thing about the 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 uh, cannabis sector. It's now the cannabis sector, Jack, not the weed sector. <laughs> Good golly, yeah, you're boy. <laughs> <laughs> Where to begin with my buddy Jack? But um, no, the, the 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 what Jack and I are waiting for in terms of the cannabis sector is for the big six banks to get on it. The big six banks are not on it. Their analysts aren't following it. They're not getting involved in the financing. It must be squeaky clean, legal, and approved uh, at, at all levels before they really get on it. But, I think that is going to be the it catalyst. It sounds like sounds like Demo's going to lead the charge. But that hasn't really stopped it though. Oh, right? but, but like, I think it has because when I speak to uh, my counterparts at the ba- at the major banks, they're not they're not participating in the marijuana sector. But that's all the best for, better for guys yeah, like that, you that, at that, Canaccord that exactly. and the Griffiths McBurnies of the world that are taking it and turning Canada into the cannabis capital of the world. And and this is one of the things that when you sp- to speak about Bitcoin versus cannabis, cannabis is actually much more of a real business. Well, no, no, that's exactly my point. So yeah. uh, you know, as much of a potential mania uh, the marijuana sector has gone through, uh, again, you can certainly rationalize it uh, to just do an overlay on the end of prohibition with with alcohol and, and look at look at these behemoth companies that were created coming out of in the last hundred years. Uh, the Bronfman certainly did very very well by it. And, 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 and it looks list. like we're going to make constellation brands taking a big stake in in, in canopy. Uh, uh, again, a huge, huge vote of confidence for the sector. For sure. And and I think we're going to look back and we're going to look back and we'll find some new Bronfman's that have come out of this whole sector. Well, and again, I think he's been, think he's been our show, eh, Jack? He has, yeah. Oh, yeah uh, Bruce, Bruce Linton's Linton. been huge. And actually, he's, I think he mentioned that uh, BMO's starting to lead the charge with the big six banks. So, um, Finally, you know, yeah, Can- Canaccord's very on. entrepreneurial. We were there first with some of the other independents, and it sounds like the banks are going to wake up to the fact that uh, there is opportunity there, but there's a lot priced into these stocks at the moment, I think. Indeed. Well, we got to pay some bills around here. Folks, uh, get your coffees charged up. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto, coming right back at you. Just in a few minutes. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Here we go. Ah, I want to be a rock star. As you can see, it didn't happen. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Wolfgang Klein, your host. Jack Cardle, your producer. Kevin Muir in the studio. So, folks, Long Island Ice Tea soars after changing its name to Long Blockchain. <laughs> eh? Put your name blockchain, put the blockchain on the back of your name, and you shall soar is the moral of the story. So, uh, Manius, uh, Kevin, you're a student of the markets. Jack's a student of the market. I'm a student of the market. And, uh, you know, we've done our homework. We've read the history books. And uh, all I think about is fields of tulips, uh, you know, growing to the sky with For, their prices. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Tulips are uh, going to make, uh, Bitcoin's going to make tulips seem rational uh, when we look back. Well, this. I say at least you get a tulip and tulip meaning. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think tulips this, are very nice, actually. Yeah, exactly. they're, they're better than carnations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, carnations are so passe, but tulips are okay. Otherwise, they, you're just getting code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has a lot of the same feel that 1999 did. 
I remember distinctly during 99 when uh, the Linux craze hit. And you had companies that would add Linux to their name and all of a sudden the stock would triple or quadruple overnight. I remember Corel turned themselves into from a paint company to a Corel draw to yeah to a Linux company and all of a sudden they, you know added a whole bunch of market yeah, cap. Yeah, so, so now we call that taking your name to cloud. Yeah, uh, put, put the word cloud in your business and all of a sudden you will have but, an ex- exponential. Obviously with the challenges that go along with right, transforming but, your business. But this blockchain is absolutely insane in terms of, you mentioned Long Island Ice Tea. There was another one, Long Fin Financial, was a company that came public at $5. Um, <laughs> They, they floated it the first day over the weekend. On the second day, they announced that they had bought some blockchain company. The stock went from 5 to 140 So it had a $250 million market cap, and it went to a $10 billion market cap overnight. Oh, my. Wow. Incredible. So, and and this is just this is mania. It's, it's of, just value created out of thin air is what it is. Yeah. It's exactly the same company, and the new, now the value is 10 or a 1,000-fold, right? Yeah, and it's overnight, and this is not an efficient market by any means and investors should be really weary and really scared when they see sorts these sorts of moves and and don't participate in them you know unless you're you really know what you're doing because it's going to go and it's going to end badly for a lot of these people you know what happened to corel draw what happened to all these linux companies they're not the winners that came out of this uh you know it's not they weren't the amazons of the world that kind of 10 years later were running the internet well, let's take this in a slightly different direction. Uh, again, we are in a bull market when it comes to the stock market. We're in a bull market when it comes to the bond market. Um, and at some point, bull markets do end. Uh, so this bull market, some say, began in 2009. I believe it began in 2011. Uh, as you had a bear market in 2011, I believe the market was down 20%. Regardless, market's up over 100% from its lows. And the question is, how much longer does it go? The market is running because of easy money. Easy money creates speculative fever. The question is to what degree? And you can see it in the likes. You can read the thermometer, the likes of cryptocurrency. So as long as it's game on with easy money, all is good in the world of finance. But when the music stops, will it have a a trickle-down effect, a domino effect from crypto to perhaps equities to fixed income? Well, it very well might. I, I'm of the belief that the, the next crash is actually going to start in the bond market. It's not going to start in the equity market. Mm-hmm. And you've um, said that many times. That's right. I just don't see, although the, the, the last six months we've seen some uh, increased speculation in the stock market, but it, it hasn't been, if you look back over the last year before that, it wasn't something that, that people were throwing their money at. And just think back to when Trump was announced, you know, elected, the stock market crashed 10% over in the first, you know, Hours overnight. Well, well. That's but right. there's no question, like margin debt, for example, and, and you're seeing the, the, the facts too, bespoke investment research that Jack and I subscribe to, pay a lot of money for, um, indicates the, the, the all-time high levels for uh, margin debt that's being carry, but they say basically margin debt is always at all-time highs, and as the global economy expands and markets expand, sure, margin debt will increase accordingly. So again, in check, not necessarily speculative fever. But you know, Jack Jack's barometer is one that that's very interesting, because he just looks at our telephone, and is our phone ringing off the hook? Uh, are our clients begging to get into the market and, uh, and, 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 and try to put on margin debt onto their retail accounts? And I'm going to say the answer is no. It's, I still think that's in front of us. Yeah, not really. I would say the most of the conversation, the speculative conversation that we've had this year is Bitcoin. People, Bitcoin. people trying to buy Bitcoin. We can't really do it for clients. Or uh, pot stocks. 
yeah, marijuana and, stocks. And, and, and there's certainly a market for the pot, meaning an availability for marijuana. I think part of the issue with Bitcoin certainly gets back to supply and availability. You're basically trying to, to drive a transport truck through the eye of a needle. Uh, if you can just expand the availability, which eventually it will, uh, I think you're going to have massive corrections in prices. But it's amazing that Bitcoin began the year at 1000 bucks. Eclipse, what, 19,000, couldn't get through 20, and then massively rolled over, what, down 35%, I think, within a day or so. That's right. Uh, but I think that the, the, the Bitcoin's popularity is, is, a, is a function of real rates of, by central banks setting real rates too low. Absolutely. And so you are absolutely correct that, that if it wasn't for the easy money, we wouldn't be having this Bitcoin mania, I believe. Yeah. Um, when you have real rates like in, in Europe or Japan with negative real rates, or not even negative real rates, negative absolute rates, yeah. people look for different stores of value. And in the past, that might have gone into gold, whereas now they're looking for something different. And Bitcoin has captured the imagination. And all this liquidity is just, as you say, funneling into something that is not big enough. But you know, it's, it's truth, and, and, and that's just it. Look, we got to wrap this thing up, but it does get down to a story. Uh, the marijuana sector is a story, and the cryptocurrency is a story, and the stories do unfold, and prices tend to reflect the fever of the story. It's just fascinating to watch, but you know something? All stories do end, and sometimes not so well. My friends, stay tuned. More to come right after this on Hi-Fi Radio. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Wouldn't that be nice, eh? Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Do we not all want to be richer men? Well, the government's going to step in come January 1 and reduce, or at least uh, question, your, your, your boring power. And uh, Drew, Donaldson from, Drew Donaldson from uh, SafeBridge Financial Managing Partner and Chief Sales Officer uh, with the company is on the phone to discuss with us the changes in the, well, lending rules coming in a couple days. So, uh, Drew, how are you? And thank you for joining us on 640 Toronto Hi-Fi Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me, Wolf. These uh, these changes are big, and they're coming January first, so we expect uh, a lot of movement in the market. And I've seen a seen a rush in the last sixty days. So, so let's go through the specifics of it. What exactly is going to change when it comes to applying for a new mortgage as well as existing mortgage ors? Yeah, so currently they can, they, you know, borrowers can can qualify on whatever rate they're going to get. So, say they're getting a two point nine nine five year fixed. We can use the ratios based on that number. Going forward, as of January 1st, we're going to have to add 2% to that number and qualify based on that. So so this is for both the uh, the uninsured and insured mortgages, Drew? Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be for the uninsured uh, mortgages as well. So even some of the, you know, we used to be able to do through trust companies bundled mortgages. So you do like a 50% loan to value first, and then you put a second behind that. But the consumer would only see one mortgage. Um, those are also being regulated. So in terms of then uh, someone's uh, borrowing power at the end of the day, what's it going to do? So we looked at the numbers, and on 100000 income, currently someone could 
to borrow roughly 706,000 mortgage. Mm-hmm. As of January 1st, you're looking at 560,000. Sorry, from the, the $100,000 income would, quali- would would qualify in 2017 for $700,000 of debt? 706,000 exactly and yep. then come January 1st it'll be around 560,000. You know, estimating property taxes. So it's it's a 20% reduction in your borrowing power. Exactly what Jack said to me prior to the show. Exactly. Exactly. It's huge. So we're going to see a lot in the private space. So, you know, mix uh, mortgage investment corps under 50 million, they're still not really regulated. So we're seeing a lot of our, our private mortgages being running out of money, quite frankly, where, you know, people are seeing the surge coming and saying, okay, we got to deploy some capital and people are rushing to, to get those mortgages and they're running out of money. So we think there's going to be some innovation happening. You know, it's amazing because uh, we, we have one of our um, uh, strategists from the United States on, Mr. Reynolds, and, and, and he said, what you're talking about is called shadow banking. It's non-traditional lending and it is getting bigger and bigger by the day. I hear of individuals creating their own mechs. A friend of mine actually owns a small little mech um, and there's a lot of them in the city. You'll see them on top of great big commercial buildings uh, who has been financing projects. They'll give you their brand name and they're they're basically mechs so it's a bunch of private mortgages and they're certainly not for the faint of heart but they're a lot more costly so a conventional mortgage right now you, you use the number 2.95 if i have to go to shadow banking what are they going to charge me for that same mortgage uh i mean we issued you know over a million dollar mortgage yesterday it was you know let's just call it 4.39 one year fixed with a 30-year amortization and from the bank, and so but at a bank, if they're only borrowing a small amount, what could they get that at the bank for? Uh, the bank's going to be low threes right now. Low threes. So you're, you're paying at least a point over uh, tra- traditional lending by going a shadow banking. Exactly. But the problem is with the new rules is somebody puts 80% down payment, they still have to income qualify for the mortgage. So, you know, you get a pensioner who's got tons of equity in the property. If they don't have the income to qualify, they've been pushed into the non-prime market. To qualify for the 20% they they would have to borrow, and that 20% they would have to stress test with an extra two points on it, correct? Exactly correct. Right, and their income would have to support that. Yep. Well, well, so what about the reverse mortgage market then for for retirees? Uh, Any impact on that? Uh, nothing that we've seen so far. I mean, Chip's the leader in that space, so we haven't heard an announcement from them yet, but we'll be keeping an eye on it become the new year. Have you heard anything about the chip business? I, you know, I haven't heard much about it. And Are people continuing to use that? Is that a growth industry? Is that a decline? Uh, what's going on with, with, certainly with the real estate well, now, market being so strong? What we've always said is, you know, at least under the old rules, is you just do a home equity line of credit, interest-only payments. You could continue to borrow as you go. It's a little bit more flexible. I agree with you. Um, you know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, going forward, that chip might come in handy. If they don't have to abide by the new rules, there could be uh, there could be some strategies there. Oh, that's very, very interesting. Wow. So what do you think this is going to do to the to the price of real estate? Again, I go back to now, Jack, he's my real estate barometer. Hey, Jack, and you, you, you've witnessed up in the 905 area corrections of how, of how much in, in your neighbor's homes? I'd say anywhere from 20 to 30%. So, so the, the government regulation, you believe, uh, in terms of taxing foreign buyers, uh, has, put that, a lot, has put a lot of downward pressure on your market up in the Well, that, that was part of it, but it also just created a lot of uncertainty, and people don't like to make economic or financial moves when there's a lot of uncertainty, of uncertainty out there. Yeah, so, so, the, so the market corrected. Uh, do, do you, so now these new mortgage rules are not going to help the market. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen to prices next year for real estate, Drew? What's your guess? Yeah, I mean, I think the demand long term is going to be there, but in the short term, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be a buyer, if, at least if I was an investor. You know, if you're comfortable, ready to buy, it's your first house or condo, 
and you've been saving for a while, you know, April, May, you know, I would dabble in that if there's the right opportunity that came up, but I wouldn't be rushing in right away. I mean, I'm not a bear. I'm a bull long-term, but at the same point, I think you got to be careful just right now. I mean, we've seen a few clients that couldn't sell their houses uh, after that foreign buyer tax came out and they're, you know, they're carrying both and going to list in the spring. You know, there could be a little bit of a flood of in- inventory come up. Okay, dude, you got my attention here. So we're going to give you some more time, buddy. Just, just hang by. We got to pay some bills. Uh, so a couple minutes, we'll be right back to you, okay? Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We don't want your house to burn down. But prices certainly are under a little bit of pressure. And with the new mortgage rules kicking into effect, I guess, January 1, it is going to make your boring power more challenging and uh, perhaps put some further downward pressure on the price of real estate. Uh, Drew Donaldson from SafeBridge Financial is here to discuss with us the changing mortgage rules. Uh, Jack, what was your question you want me to throw over to Drew in terms of the uh, carry over here? Oh, just, um, you know, looking at the income qualification, how it's going to affect uh, refinancing mortgages. Obviously, that's a big part of um, the mortgage market. Right. Yeah, so are are exist- these people going to be able to qualify with their existing banks? Yeah, they, 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 exactly. So if you, if you have a mortgage and it's up for refinancing, what's going to happen if you don't meet the stress test? Yeah, exactly. So you can renew with your current bank. Uh, you don't even have to qualify. So you could be, uh, quite frankly, not even have a job and you'd be fine. Okay. Um, we're still seeing that, but if you oh, want to attack more money, sort so if of. you want to consolidate debt, if you want to pull money out for any reason, buy an investment property, you know, uh, whatever the reason is, you're going to have to qualify. But if you have paid your mortgage on time and you're up for renewal and you you fell on hard times, you lost your job or you became ill or whatever the case may be, you do not have to reapply and requalify automatic renewal at at at, at the at the posted rate, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. The post rate, you know, two percent above the contract rate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are consumers doing? Have they have they front run the uh, the legislation changes? Uh, are you seeing some some increased business this month? Uh, expecting a slower month in January, Drew? Uh, December's been the busiest month on record. We've huh. never seen it like this, um, even today. Wow. I mean, still seeing applications come in, right? Because if you issue a pre-approval before January first, you have 120 days. Uh, for it to go live, if you buy a property before January 1st, you also, you know, that does count for the old rules. So we are seeing a rush. That's why I think, you know, April, May is going to be a really telling time in the market to see how the spring uh, gets going. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, it's actually funny. You look at the uh, the Canadian banks and the lenders here, we're getting a lot more restrictions, a lot more regulations, and they're actually going exactly the opposite way down in the U.S. We own, in our portfolios, obviously, a lot of uh, U.S. banks, and uh, they benefit from less restrictions, less regulations. But right. it's going to be a tough challenge, I think, for some of these Canadian banks that are they're not cheap at these levels, and they're going to come up against potentially less lending. Is that what you're also seeing, maybe, Drew, with the, on the lending side with everyone, or potentially shadow banking yeah, and alternative lenders kicking up? Not only are the yields going up, which is driving up the you know the mortgage rates, but also the funding costs for these lenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heavy regulation that's coming into the space, I mean, it's driving up their costs, which they have to reflect that in their price. So, you know, I would say mortgage rates should be sitting thirty to forty basis points lower before the regulation. But all the banks, all the lenders are having to drive up their costs. 
The, the, the irony is, Jack, you made a good point earlier. And, and, you know, markets really, Drew, are all the same and they're all interconnected. And, and one of the biggest drivers, the biggest drivers of all markets is interest rates and easy money. and the, Credit you know, availability. We were just talking about it affecting Bitcoin, affecting speculative assets. And a lot of manias are created out of speculative money. And that's easy money. That's through the banks or through whatever facilities they have to create credit. And, and, again, and so, so now this, this demand for this easy money is coming from pension funds. And this is where the, the story really gets interesting because, again, Mr. Reynolds, our strategist from the States, who we've had up a number of times, keeps saying that these pension funds, these insurance companies have such demand to, 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 to create yield that they're basically using debt and then leveraging it up even further. So the, the appetite for it remains, which is actually a very, very good thing if you're along any type of asset because when they turn the tap off and that demand runs away, that's when the, that, that's when the music begins to slow down and or stop. Yeah, and it's the most expensive assets to get hit the hardest because they were juiced up the most with that easy money. Yeah. But uh, just getting back to the more regulations on these Canadian banks, are you going to see or do you expect less origination uh, coming from the banks in the new year? Uh, from the big five, yes, we do. But as far as, you know, mortgage brokers and even credit unions that aren't affected by the new rules, I mean, we think we think the demand's going to go heavily upward because people are still going to have, you know, they're going to want to buy properties, they're going to want to refinance. And if they have to pay an extra point or point and a half to do so, I mean, they're still they're still going to make it happen. So so the credit unions, they're not affected because they're under provincial legislation, whereas the banks are under offsee. Is that correct? Exactly correct. Yeah. So th- they're still going to be able to. Now, some of them are going to, they're at least coming out and saying we're going to use the new rules to start, but they'll be able to make exceptions based on the contract rate. So there's a little bit of more flexibility in there. But I, you know, I can certainly see in this type of environment, Drew, that uh, an individual. I'm going to give you a plug here, but you're 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 deserving of the plug. And that individuals working with someone like you can can hopefully feel safe that you're truly shopping the market as opposed to going to one vendor and being subjected to that one vendor's uh, terms and offer. Correct. Exactly correct. We just have choice, right? Client comes to us, they tell us their situation, and we, you know, we can play. Some of our best partners are big banks, and we place a ton of business with them. But at the end of the day, if they don't qualify there, there's a better program, better option somewhere else. We're going to do what's right for the client. Yeah, well, my, my, my money goes where it's welcome at the end of the day. Look, uh, Drew, I want to wish you a happy new year uh, and, and, and a successful 2018. Uh, please uh, continue to finance the homes of Canada because, uh, hey, the mortgage has got to get paid, right? Uh, stay tuned, folks. We're going to talk now about the wonderful topic of divorce right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Ah, yes, they do. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto, Global News Radio. Wolfgang Klein, your host. Jack Hartle, your co-host. And is the final show of 2017. Many of you perhaps got some diamonds and some bling, and you're in love, and it's all good. And perhaps others, well, according to Jack, says, Wolf, we've got to get a lawyer on the phone. Apparently, come New Year's Eve, a lot of people uh, have been telling some lies and say, you know, something, I don't love you so much after all, and I want a divorce. So we got Michael Cochran on uh, from BTZ. Michael, first question to you, are you related to Johnny Cochran? 
No, but I get that a lot. Oh, I know that. Of <laughs> course you do. You, you can howl when you talk about Wolfgang, too. I get that all the time. But uh, I like the last name. It's good. Michael Cochran, BTZ, LLP lawyer. Actually works in the same building that Jack and I. Actually has our old offices, apparently, down on Bay Street there. We moved up. He moved down. He got a good deal, I think. Uh, but uh, so is it true? Do, 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 does the divorce filings increase in the month of January? Is there a seasonality to <laughs> is, divorce is what I want to know? Is it a resolution? <laughs> it definitely is, yeah, for sure. And most lawyers will tell you that we see a spike in January and February of people calling because they are following through on New Year's resolutions. They've said, you know, I'm going to just get through Christmas for the sake of the kids. I'm going to try to make sure that we have a, a peaceful holiday, but the minute January arrives... I'm calling my lawyer and I'm getting some advice. Wow. So what is your advice to these people, Michael? To not uh, separate in some kind of drunken brawl on New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> That's a good start. Uh, uh, because people do that. You know, they have too much to drink and they blurt things out. They confess to stuff. They, to, you know, things that they've done, things that they want to do. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not pleasant. The best thing to do is to be peaceful uh, think of your kids. Think of your own financial interests. Come into a lawyer's office. Don't have to let your spouse know you're going to do it, but come in and get some strategic advice and say, you know, look, if I separated tomorrow, what would happen to me? And we can usually figure out, you know, roughly on a on a whiteboard, you know, how your assets are going to be divided, how much child support you might pay, what kind of custody arrangement you might have, is there going to be an obligation for spousal support, things like that. We can tell you pretty much how it's going to go. So why not know that in advance? So, <clears throat> so Michael, just getting back to this uh, drunken brawl. If that happened, <laughs> then what's your advice? Well, I can tell you right now that uh, when the police get a call and they're uh, coming to your home to pull you off of each other, uh, somebody or both of you are going to get charged. And the police... Uh, don't hesitate to lay the charge. Uh, they will uh, send you both off to see criminal lawyers. It's expensive. You'll do court appearances. Um, both of you will. I've just had a couple go through this recently. Both of them uh, multiple uh, appearances in criminal courts before they ultimately ended up with some kind of consent arrangement of uh, pleading guilty to uh, charges and sentences and peace bonds and arguing about their children in the meantime. Everything had to be negotiated through third parties. Oh. Uh, it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's best to, to be strategic about these things. You can save yourself tens of thousands of dollars by just biting your tongue and waiting till you get a little bit of advice. Uh, so let's stay on the drunken brawl topic. <laughs> <laughs> what percentage of divorces uh, begin in a drunken brawl? In other words, how, what percentage are amicable and what percent are quite heated and contentious? Uh, I would say that um, we're seeing more and more, not so much the drinking issue, but more and more health, uh, mental health problems. Uh, marriages that are coming apart because... Um, you know, there's either depression or there's uh, drug abuse because of some other mental health issue. Sometimes there's alcohol abuse because of a mental health issue. We do see a lot of marriages coming apart for those reasons. Not so much the, um, you know, we always, like you're playing that song, Lion, uh, Lion, 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 Lion Eyes. It, it's not that was so Jack's much, pick, by the way. 
It's not so much that people are having affairs and the affairs cause the separation. The affair is usually a symptom of a marriage that's in trouble anyways. Um, so so I, I would say for people, um, the, the majority of them who are coming in to see us, they've had problems in their relationship for a long time, and then some symptom comes up. You know, there's a, a, an ugly argument. There's an affair that happens. Uh, there's a, you know some uh, um, behavior that is not typical of a person gambling or you know excessive drinking, and and that then you know brings them into the lawyer's office. Wow, <sighs> man! Look, Michael, let's do the following. Uh, we want to keep you here for another hit. I want to learn a little bit more about the not the drunken brawl part, but <laughs> just about the phenomena of January and divorce and how to do it right and how to save yourself some money. But we got to pay some bills, so uh, stay tuned. And in a few minutes, we're going to be right back with Michael Cochran, PTZ family lawyer. If you're thinking about divorce, stay tuned. Right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Well, Happy New Year, Hi-Fi Radio. Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. It's been an absolute treat for Jack and Wolfgang to... Be your host every Saturday morning on Hi-Fi Radio and uh, some very, very interesting guests. Jack did his homework and said, Wolfgang, we got to get a lawyer on for the New Year's show. Apparently, New Year's go or divorces go up in the month of January. And so we brought Michael Cochran on, who is a lawyer with BTZ. He was called to the bar in 1980. Uh, New Year's Day by U2 came out in 1983. Close enough, same generation. That's what I like about you, Michael. You're the same generation <laughs> as Bono. Uh, has, has Bono ever been divorced? I don't know, but uh, I know he's had a uh, struggle in his relationship. There was uh, one song that I think he wrote to uh, try and put things back together. And which song was that, you know? Uh, Elevation, maybe? I'm sure he's had a couple. He's had a So let's talk a little bit more about the, uh, the notion of getting divorced and, and, and doing your homework in the month of January to make it a little bit more amicable. So tell us how to do it correctly. In other words... Do you work with your spouse? Do you work independent of your spouse? Uh, when does a lawyer get involved? When do the parties meet? Like, What's the right way to do this to save yourself some money and, and, and headaches? Uh, I would say the right way to do it is to uh, sit down and treat it like you're making a business decision. Um, m- most people would be surprised, I think, to find out that things like child support is pretty mathematical. We have a thing in Canada called the Child Support Guidelines, you can do it online yourself. You go to the Department of Justice website. It'll tell you how, how long have you been married, how many kids do you have, how old are those kids, how much do you earn, and you punch those numbers in. It tells you what your child support is. Hey, I got a question for you about earnings, if I may. I'm sorry to interject sure. there. But um, what if you're you know, getting older, a guy like me, uh, in his mid-50s, let's say, and I plan on working for another five years? Uh, or three years, uh, and this is all based on your, your last couple of years of income, but you're about to no longer work in a couple of years. So how do you get the adjustment downwards, or are you stuck to that high level as, as you head into retirement? Uh, no, and uh, let's look, for example, just at child support. So each year uh, after a couple have sort of come to terms, either with a court order or, or a separation agreement, and let's say dad is paying a certain amount of child support based on last year's income. 
line 150 from his income tax return. Mm -hmm. Then next year, they exchange their notices of assessment, their income tax uh, returns again, and they say, oh, your income's gone up or your income's gone down. They adjust. So your, your child support payment goes up or down accordingly. So you do that every year for child support. It can be a little different for spousal support because uh, we do have a similar set of guidelines for calculating uh, spousal support. We put in the your ages, the length of time that you've been married, are there any special issues like is somebody uh, sick, and you put in how much you earned last year. And, and this computer program tells you pretty much what you're going to pay in terms of spousal support. Now, for spousal support in the agreements, we try to lock that number in. We might say to somebody, let's, let's say, have you pay 5000 a month, 10000 a month, for spousal support for three or four year period, and then we'll do a review. We'll mm. see how everybody's doing. But most of the time when we do those agreements, we're putting in a provision that says if somebody's getting ready to retire or their income goes down, there's, there's some material change in circumstance, maybe there's been a catastrophe, you know, they lost their job through downsizing, those kinds of events trigger a review of the amount of support that you're paying. Yeah, so what, just, just hypothetically, what about the, the notion of, hey, you know something, I had enough, I quit. Would that work? I quit. Yeah, you'd be surprised the number of times we hear people say, well, if I have to pay spousal support, I'm just going to quit my job. That's exactly my point. Yeah, I've heard that we, line from, from people before. Yeah, and I would say 90% of guys who say it just keep working and, and earning <laughs> Which uh, I would money. Do. <laughs> because you know what? No guts. <laughs> the, the, court, the court has the power to look at the circumstances of you quitting your job. And if the court thinks that you, it's just a transparent attempt to avoid spousal support, they'll impute an income to you. They'll say, you know what, I, I think you're capable of earning the same thing that you earned last year. You shouldn't have quit that job. So you're going to be ordered to pay support based on that amount of, of income that uh, we think you're, you're capable of earning. So, so it's counterproductive to, to do things, you know, in a, in a petulant fit because you have to pay spousal support. The better thing to do is to negotiate a proper amount uh, because it's deductible to you. Uh, you know, I've had uh, some people say the amount of spousal support I pay is less than the amount that I was paying on visa bills. <laughs> For my my spouse, it's a good deal, so, and, and you don't get to deduct your visa bills. You get to deduct spousal support. So, the it's better to be strategic and work out the right number for the right period of time, and you, then have a review. You know, it's interesting because just last night, my wife and I watched a bit of The Crown on Netflix, and there's a scene in it where. Queen Elizabeth turns to her husband at the time and says, look, I know you're not happy, but we cannot get divorced. What's it going to take to make you happy? In other words, you want to negotiate with him and keep him on board for fear of losing faith. Incredible, eh? Yep. I would say she was probably holding the cards in that one. (laughs) Well, she was was the queen after all. (laughs) So, Michael, just getting back to it here and uh, planning, um, you're talking about the the marriage season coming up in the spring and the summer. Um, what do you suggest in terms of marriage contact, contracts uh, in preparation? Um, not that you're preparing for divorce. <laughs> preparation for the divorce that's going to come in January <laughs> the following year. Yeah, <laughs> but but to, but to get your get your marriage off in the right footing, I guess. Uh, yeah, my yeah. marriage contract will do that. Get it off on the right footing, Jack. <laughs> yeah, well, just like there's a season for divorce, there's a season for marriage. You know, everybody gets uh, they start to make their plans for spring and summer marriages, and. Um, there are modern requirements for people to have marriage contracts. For example, it's not uncommon for um, a boomer family to make a gift to a child to help them get into the real estate market. 
and uh, they they want to make that gift. So let's say the child and this couple can can buy a home, and but there might be a string attached to that. You know, if this marriage doesn't work out, we want that that money back. So we might structure that by saying that the parents are going to have a a second mortgage on that home, or they may have a yep. promissory note that's forgivable you know, if the marriage lasts, but all of those things we build into marriage contracts. So it's not simply uh, anticipating an end of the marriage. It's often the family in the background saying, we want to give you something. Right. We're the ones that are worried right. that things don't work out, that this money's going to, uh, going to just uh, get hey, so It's, it's all about positioning. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But the same applies to, you know, certain life insurance policies and creating family trust. You know, if you've built up a big estate and you're redoing your will, you want to make sure that I always use the line buddy doesn't attack your, your, your wealth and your kids potential wealth down the road. In other words, protect yourself from the buddy, shall I say. But look, the, the biggest mistake uh, anyone can, anything can happen to a financial plan, the biggest error to a financial plan, of course, or costly mistake to a financial plan is uh, divorce. So I, I strongly encourage you to shed lots of love and keep the peace and negotiate and maybe get some counseling and do everything you can not to go through the process. No but brawls. If, you, if you're going, no brawls, Jack, no bar brawls. But if you're going to have to Go through the process of divorce. Uh, Michael Cochran is a fantastic lawyer. You heard him on the show a number of times. He sounds so calm and so logical. And I think at certain times like that, you need a nice, steady hand. Uh, my real pleasure to have you on the air with us, Michael Cochran. Yeah. I want to wish you a successful 2018. May you not write too many divorce contracts. There are lots of Thanks a lot. Contracts. And that song by you, too, was called The Sweetest Thing. The Sweetest Thing. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Folks, 2017 was a pleasure. 2018 is in front of us, and Jack and I got lots of good ideas to help you make a little more money next year. So uh, please tune into Hi-Fi Radio each and every week on the Global News Radio Network right here in Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.